This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Boss 2. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, April 22nd, and today we will be discussing some of the latest from the NBA playoffs, including a massive Thursday night comeback, as well as a couple of crushing injuries, plus fantasy talk, some third-year breakout candidates to consider for next season. Some third-year players who have not broken out yet, will they do it next year to do all this and potentially more? I'm joined by Dr. A, Steve Alexander. Steve, what's the vibe there on this Friday morning for you? Afternoon. Afternoon. Tell you what, Matt. Um, Usually on Thursday nights, my wife and I go and host our little trivia game, which has turned out to be a big, big trivia trivia game. People are uh, are talking about it. People are talking about it. Right. And then we end up going over to the Johnny B's and uh, unwinding, maybe not spending as much time watching NBA basketball as I should on Thursdays. But Mm -hmm. For some reason last night, I just I had to get home to watch my Mavericks. I wanted to see the end of that Minnesota game once mm-hmm. Memphis made a little comeback, and I, I, I kind of want, wanted to watch the Golden State Globetrotters. So I just sat in my office by myself on a Thursday night and watched tons and tons of basketball, and yeah, it's pretty awesome. It was it was a fun evening of basketball with multi, the games overlapping can be annoying. But when there are like three close games, three exciting games, and you kind of jumping back and forth or multi-screening it, it's uh, it was a fun night. I agree. Good good playoff night. Good I, playoff I don't understand night. why we're overlapping games when there's only three per day. Like we got to maximize that broadcast window, Steve. The prime. I don't actually know. I don't actually know why. But we're do- that's my that was my TV executive voice there. We, before we before we talk a little bit about these games from Thursday, a little bit of news not pertaining to the playoffs via Woj. Have you seen this, Steve? Is Friday this a morning, Woj bomb about the Charlotte Hornets? James Borrego out in Charlotte. It's over. The James Borrego era is over in Charlotte. And, and fantasy wise, I got to be honest, it was a fun it was a fun time. I liked him. I, I don't know what they expected him to do really more than what he did. So yeah. Yeah, feel kind of bad for the guy. I know. I you know I always kind of I don't know during some times of frustration with uh, my my current NBA head coach, I would sometimes look over with a little bit of envy. I feel like oh that Brago guy seems like he's got it together. Like look at that team, they're so dynamic. And uh, <laughs> I mean, obviously the defense was an issue, and you know they didn't make the playoffs. I understand that, but it's also a pretty young roster, and I don't know, like. We could have been a little more patient, maybe. I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I kind of feel for the guy. I feel like maybe he, it's certainly in terms of fantasy, he was a, a coach we liked. Well, then again, I mean, these NBA coaches get paid enough that if, if you or I got paid one year of their salary, we could probably retire and, and live comfortably <laughs> for the rest of our lives right. uh, without doing right. doing things like this podcast and staying up all night writing daily doses and, right. and whatnot. But you know, he's yeah, going to get enough. I take he, my nine and seventy-three record and ride off into the sunset <laughs> with that bag of cash. 
he's gonna get another chance and uh he'll be he'll be just fine but man like you the point you made about as a fantasy manager you know having Lamelo ball and having miles bridges and, and knowing exactly how minutes the how many minutes those dudes are gonna play mm-hmm. every single night it's kind of comforting and uh it was comforting i slept better at night because of it kind of kind of i kind of don't love the move I don't love it. We're going to have to see who comes in there to Charlotte. Um, but uh, we'll keep our eye on that one. As we move now, Steve, to what happened on Thursday night in the playoffs, I feel like we have to start with this Grizzlies comeback, don't we, Steve? <laughs> I mean, I, dude, we, we we were at the trivia venue, and I went up to the kid at the counter, and I was like, do you happen on your whatever streaming services you use, which they have mm-hmm. like 10 different ones, like – is it possible we could find TNT? And he hands me the remote control. He's like, good luck, bro. And I'm like, I'm like at Johnny B's, they're all direct TV. And I know yeah. every direct TV channel by heart. You want to know where you run the remote, right? You're like, the I remote run the whole guy show. There. They, there's pictures yeah. of me on Facebook with like 12 remote controls in my hands. And, and I, I mean, I just walk in, they hand me the box and I just, I just take well, over. They hand you the, they hand you the cable box. They hand me the box full of remote controls. I mean, I like it even better if they just handed you the cable box <laughs> when you walked in the door. Yeah, well, so I I start just hitting. I hit the go left button on this Hulu remote or whatever, okay. and somehow it, it went down. And I found the game. Oh, it pops up. I'm like, oh, we have NBA basketball at at the Meadery, which is Mead. You know, it's like from the 1500s or something. Sure. Sure. That's sort of where their TV technology is as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, Streaming. we actually, because we're always watching like a like a Red Bull jet ski race from 1999. Yeah, yeah, like like it just really bad sports on their TVs. But anyway, we had live basketball on. Minnesota's up uh, a ton. And I was I, just like, the, the last biggest lead that I noted was 79.54. There were a lot of leads like this, but the last biggest lead that I marked down was 79.54. So it's like 79 to 54, right? We pack our stuff up, get in the car. I go run some errands, get some food, deliver some food home, go back to Johnny B's to pick up my, my people. I was sort of driving people around last night in between watching games. And I get a text message from my FanDuel crew and Snyder's like, uh, the Grizzlies are ahead right now. And I'm like, it's not possible. It's not possible. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, what a collapse. 21 to nothing run. Yeah. And no one on the Minnesota Timberwolves has time to call a timeout. Like, unbelievable. So, yeah, I mentioned that 79 to 54 score. It was 50 to 16 the rest of the way after that. Um, and 42 to 12, I think, over the final 13 minutes, as noted on our NBC Sports Edge blurb about this. Yeah, I mean, what else can you say? I, like, Carl Anthony Towns is pretty invisible in this game. John Moran managed a triple double despite some bad shooting and a lot of turnovers. Uh, some spectacular, like, left handed finishes from him in this game, Steve. Um, what else stood out to you? Because the other guy that really stood out to me was Desmond Bain. Well, I don't think we can just gloss over the fact that Carl Anthony Towns. Well, here we go right here. Albert. Carl Anthony Towns, Matt. Albert. Four. 
Moroccan wants to know why Carl Anthony Towns only had four shot attempts in that game. I know at least three of them came in the first quarter, if not all four. That's, I mean, that's that is the that is the lowest shot attempt number of his entire career. They asked him about it after the game. He's like, "Next question. I'm not talking about it." Like you, James Borrego <laughs> looks pretty good if you're if you were at that Minnesota Timberwolves game last night, which was in Minnesota. Like how how do you come back from this, man? They, they asked they asked they asked Cat like, "Bro, what are you gonna do to to come back from this?" He's like, "Well, I'm gonna go home, gonna drink some wine, gonna decompress." <laughs> And then we'll try to figure it out. Like, can they bounce back from this? I don't know. But how do you have you and I have sit, sat right here and talked about what a great season Carl Anthony Towns has had, and how can you not go to him in the second, third, or fourth quarter? So players who had more shot attempts than Carl Anthony Towns in this game, first kind of ones that don't totally surprise you. D'Angelo Russell, 21 attempts, Anthony Edwards, 13, Patrick Beverly, 13. Jared Vanderbilt had more shot attempts with eight. Malik Beasley had three times as many shot attempts with 12. Jaden McDaniels had seven shot attempts to Carl Anthony Towns' four. And Carl Anthony Towns' backup, Nas Reed, had five shot attempts in 10 minutes to four for Carl Anthony Towns. Man, I'm going to reply to this by quoting Charles Barkley, who I quoted in my daily dose. Okay. The Timberwolves are dumb. Coaches are dumb, he said. All that talent, and they're dumber than rocks. I can't stand stupidity on the basketball court. This is embarrassing for basketball. That's what Barkley said? That's what Chuck said on TNT last night after that game. Man. I mean, 21 nothing run, and you don't call a timeout. Something is wrong. Like, like my kid would have called timeout. <laughs> yeah. My wife would have yeah. called the timeout. My daughter, who doesn't even know what I do for a living, would have called timeout. Stop. Yeah, stop. Stop this. Someone stop this. How do you Back stop your this? Point, Desmond Bain has seven triples. Um, that is a franchise playoff high for the Grizzlies. He was awesome. Your boy, John Morant, had the first ever postseason triple double for the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, John Morant did not play very well. I think he was what? well. Yeah, the, the the box score is a little bit all over the place. Let's just put it that way. He was like five for 16. Five for 18. Five for 10 from the free throw line. Seven, seven turnovers. turnovers. He was a plus 20, though. So Five of 10 free throws. Um, so he his line stunk. And as I wrote in the Daily Dose, guess what? Who cares? Like, they won, yeah. and it doesn't matter. He still put up a pretty monster, monster fantasy line. So He did. Uh, Desmond Bain, pretty awesome. They started Kyle Anderson, Matt. And he, he had mm-hmm. like one of those little tiny stat lines that sort of like a little bit of everything. Uh, and S- Steven Adams didn't even get off the bench. He's done. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Jaron Jackson Jr. Frustrating night. Carl Anthony Towns and JJJ both had five fouls at the start of the fourth quarter. And they both were sitting over there on the bench. And I, I keep waiting for Jaron Jackson Jr. to explode in the series, and he just he just won't do it. He did have the seven block game in the opener, but yeah, I keep using him in in DFS. I can't stop. 
And uh, now I just got to keep going because as soon as I don't use him, he's going to have a good game. So Pat, I'm just, Pat I'm Beverly, now. Pat Beverly for the Wolves, uh, that first quarter and first half, well, first quarter, his defense was just off the rails, man. I mean, that dude. <laughs> He's out of his mind. How about Beverly falling down, keeping the dribble going, getting up, throwing it off the feet, backboard, throwing it off the backboard, catching it and rattling in a layup. What a sequence that was. Ian Eagle made, I think it was Ian Eagle calling the game, made some old, really old school reference, like in the in the heat of the, of the play call. I can't remember who he referenced, but uh, it was great stuff. Who was the dude that but, played for Cleveland that like missed the shot on purpose to get the rebound to get his triple double? Um, mm. I can't Darius. No, I can't think of his name. Not Darius Miles. Like it was D Miles. Was it? I believe so. I don't know. We'll have to research that later. Hey, those triple doubles don't come around often, Steve. You got to get them when you can. Yeah. Are you ready to move to the next game? I am. Next game, the Mavs beat the Jazz one twenty six to one eighteen. Jalen Brunson apparently is unstoppable. Thirty one points in thirty five minutes. He's averaging thirty two points per game in this series, Steve. I want to hear your thoughts on that, and I want to ask you this question. Now you're up 2-1, Dallas. There's all this talk of Luka playing game four. Doesn't this make you just want to rest him another game? That's where I am with this. Well, first of all, no Luka, no problem for my Dallas Mavericks. Can can we talk about Jalen Brunson for a second, Matt, before we get into the whole Luka shakedown? Over his last two games... Yeah. Jalen Brunson has produced 72 points and one turnover. Wow. Wrap you your head 72 and one? 72 and one. Over his wow. last three games, over this entire series, 96 points, three turnovers. Now, everybody's talking about Jordan Poole. And Jordan Poole, um, actually, those were Jordan Poole numbers. Hold on. Wait, what's the last two games? No, that's right. That's right. 96 and three turnovers. That's Jalen Brunson. Jordan Poole over his three games is 30 points, 29 points, 27 points. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Jordan Poole's a different game, Steve. We got to wait. We got to wait on Jordan Poole. Well, the the big debate for me on Twitter is who who's the better who's the better player right now, Jordan Poole or Jalen Brunson? Hmm. And it's it's kind of hard. To pick one now, Twitter, my Twitter pool poll says that it's mm-hmm. pool party. It's Jordan Pool party. Yeah. Uh, but Jalen Brunson, man, I I can't believe how good he's he's playing. Spencer Dinwiddie, the Mavericks basically pulled him off of a trash heap out of Washington and has turned his life around. Like he's a really good player now. I don't know if you saw that dunk that he threw down last night. And uh was it Rudy Gobert's face? Unbelievable. And he, yeah, Dinwiddie's coming off the same surgery that Kawhi Leonard had. We haven't seen Kawhi Leonard forever. So, yeah. To your, I mean, to, go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, the Mavs had everything working in this game during that stretch. I mean, Davis Bertans was just rifling in these laser corner three pointers. Um, Dinwiddie shot six for 21, but uh, otherwise a really good stat line. Good stat line if you use him in DFS. Go ahead. You were going to talk about Luca. Well, also, let's not sleep on Maxi Kleber. Mm-hmm. Maxi is, is somehow on fire right now. He hits six of seven shots, four three pointers. Yeah. Kleber's averaging 20. Go ahead. You finish. 21 points, 
21 points, four and a half boards, and six threes over his last two games. Wow. Wild. Of course he wasn't in our DFS lineups. He certainly he certainly wasn't in mine. Why would we why would we do that? When we could when we could put uh Royce O'Neal in there. Wait, I got right. I gotta say this about the shooting, Mavs shooting. Bench guys, Kleba, Bertans, and Josh Green. Josh Green combined to shoot eleven for seventeen on threes with two turnovers. And 14 for 20 from the floor. Holy cow. And the Mavericks had not won at Utah since 2016. Crazy. All the while, our guy, my man, Lucas, sitting over there on the bench, chilling out, enjoying the show. And Matt, you're right. I like, I kind of, I, I made a prediction on Wednesday that he was going to play last night. I was mm-hmm. wrong. He didn't play. I mean, I just Every, think at, at this point, you got sorry to interrupt you again. At this point, you just, I don't know, like, you, unless he's just fully healed and, and they were like being cautious last game, this game, you know, there's just no point in pushing him when you have a lead. They're up 2 1. They've retaken home court advantage. They can lose uh, Saturday's game and be fine. I think what I would do if I was the Dallas Mavericks is I would. I would make Luca active for game four if he's good enough to if he's healthy enough to play. Make him active. Maybe not not play him unless you get down to a situation where it's in the fourth quarter and and they're <laughs> tied, like going into the fourth quarter. And then maybe you put Luke on the bike and warm him up and let him go out there and uh just be a decoy. But yeah. I don't if they lost last night, I think you definitely play him on uh-huh. On Saturday, but because they won, because they have that lead, and because, like you mentioned the other day, this is not just a simple ankle sprain or or it's not a minor injury. It's something that could develop into something a lot more serious to get him out there too early. Give him as much time as you can and see if you can win this series without him. I mean, I think that's I think that's where we are at this point. Yeah. Let's go to the final game of the night. The Warriors beat the Nuggets 118-113, took a 3-0 series lead there. You already talked about Jordan Poole a little bit. 27 for him in this game. Steph had 27 off the bench. Klay Thompson had 26. And for Poole, I think you already said it, 30, 29, and 27 points in three games. Shooting 67 from the floor, Steven, 60.5% on threes. Absolutely wild stuff. It is it is wild stuff. It's awesome, and uh, he's at eighty one percent from the line, which is actually down for him. But he's having an incredible, incredible run. Um, I'm not I'm not the biggest Draymond Green fan, but did you see the steal he made on Jokic at the end of that game? Yeah, I think so. Thirty seven seconds left, five point game. Jokic has the ball and. Dre's got five fouls and he just reaches around and smacks the ball out of Jokic's hand. Like, I don't even know how he did it. That allowed him that that was his 200th steal in the playoffs. And Draymond Green, LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Jason Kidd, and a guy named Larry Bird are the only players in NBA history to have 200 steals and 10 triple doubles in the postseason. Wow. And as I wrote in my daily dose, as my father would say, boy, that's pretty neat. <laughs> I mean, his passing was pretty neat, too. It, I mean, it, gener- it, it generally is, but it's it's huge for that team. And it's fascinating, you know, the way they're winning this lineup of 
Curry, Poole, Clay Thompson, Wiggins, and Draymond Green just crushing people. They are, and when they get going, man, they look like the 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 Golden State Globetrotters. Like they, yeah. they're just killing people. And for as good as Nikola Jokic is, he's not good enough to carry a team entirely by himself. He needs some help. He's going to sit down this summer and be pretty angry that the prime of his career is being wasted away. I mean, it's just that that team's just been crushed, obviously, by those injuries. We were talking the other day about Poole. Zach Hanchu and I were talking about Poole versus Maxi and who you'd rather draft next year. I was on the side of Poole. He was on the side of Maxi, and we agreed to disagree. Where, Which guy would you be more excited to draft in fantasy next year? Well, I wish I could find my poll because I put a poll up. Like, who who would you rather have, Maxi, Poole, or Jalen Brunson? Okay. And it's a great question. Like, <laughs> even when Luca, If just... you do say so yourself. <laughs> It's a great if I do question. say so myself, I've asked an incredible question. Yeah. Yeah. Brunson's old. He's 25. Yeah. Poole he's done. and Maxi are both kids. I'm going to take Maxi in that scenario because he doesn't have to deal with Steph Curry. He doesn't have to deal with Luka Doncic. He doesn't have to deal with Ben Simmons. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just him and Joel Embiid out there going crazy. I mean, James Harden's there. You know, Tobias Harris. I don't know. Pool is what? Pool is dealing with Steph Curry right now and he's doing just fine. He is. I don't know. I, By the I just, way, when Jordan Poole was in Michigan, did you see this? Did you think that this was inside his body? I'm so I'm like, I can't help but view everything through this the lens that I view the Hawks. And I'm just I can't stop thinking about the fact that DeAndre Hunter was taken fourth in the same draft where Jordan Poole went twenty eighth. Imagine if mm. you had Jordan Poole running around alongside Trey Young right now, doing mm. what he's doing, mm. Mm. how much more dangerous the Hawks would be. It, I lose sleep over this, Steve. Um, also, Matt, I, we didn't talk about this, but Jalen Brunson, they need to extend him by the end of June or he becomes an unrestricted free agent on July 1st. And the Knicks already are like making waves that they want. Knicks are already tampering. <laughs> they want Brunson to be their point guard. So it's going to be interesting to see if Mark Cuban opens the checkbook, but what Brunson's doing, what Poole is doing, what Maxie is, is doing, all those guys pretty much have, I think in the past month ensured their NBA futures. Like they are going to get paid. Was it huge? What, yeah. What, what am I mistaken? Wasn't the Porzingis trade partially about clearing money to Sten Brunson? Do I have that right? I thought that's what we said at the time. I'm, I'm sure that is correct. Let's go with that. Uh, quick injury news, Steve, before we move on to part two of this episode, which is going to be some third-year breakout candidates. We can just do this quick-hitting style. Chris Middleton is going to be reevaluated in two weeks, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, a sprained left MCL, obviously just crushing for the Bucs. I mean, can I don't know. It's hard to, to peg how how crushing this is going to be for Milwaukee in the first round. I mean, you still expect Milwaukee to advance past the Bulls. What are your thoughts on this? I do. But after that, it's all up in the air. I, I don't think we'll, we're going to see Middleton again for a while. Reevaluated in two weeks, obviously, as I said. Yeah, I mean, that's that's playoff ending. And if, even if he does come back, it's he's not going to be a hundo. So uh, they still have Drew. They still have Giannis. They still have yeah. Brolo. Brolo. Suddenly... 
somehow not suddenly but somehow still relevant after yeah. all these years so i th- i think they'll beat the bulls but you know we all sat and did we did that playoff preview show and i think every single one of us was like uh oh the bulls are gonna sweep i mean oh, the yeah. bucks are gonna sweep the bulls it's oh, a yeah. no-brainer yeah and that has not happened and now uh, milwaukee's got some they've got a little problem on their hands because the the bulls the Bulls played well. DeMar DeRozan's all fired up. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, I still think the Bucks will win that series. But after that, man, I, I don't know. Similar story, I guess, in a way you could argue for Phoenix with Devin Booker. As we know, we knew this was coming. Officially ruled out for Game 3 on Friday. Expected to miss both games in New Orleans. And according to ESPN's Brian Windhorse, has a grade one hamstring strain. Could miss two to three weeks is the talk there. So, I mean, it, it almost feels like... Not the exact same situation, but a very similar situation. Maybe even a worse situation, arguably, for Phoenix. Well, yeah, yes and no. I mean, you were saying you think Middleton's potentially done for the playoffs. I mean, Book could miss two to three weeks based on other hamstring injuries, I guess, is in theory better than reevaluated in two weeks. But still, I mean, it's worrisome. Oh, very worrisome. Like, I don't know. Who knows when we'll see Devin Booker again? And Chris Paul is 70, what, 73 years old. So, I mean, he can't be out there doing this all by himself. And Cam Johnson, yeah, he's going to go off in Booker's absence, but he's not the most reliable guy around. DeAndre Ayton is just, you know, he's good, but he's not going to carry a team. I, I don't know, man. This is really, really sad news for both of those teams. And a lot of people had the bucks playing the Suns in the finals. So um, you take away the Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen in both of those for both of those teams. And it's, it's going to be tricky. Yeah. And meanwhile, help is on the way for the Nets. According to Sham Strania, Ben Simmons is planning to return for game four versus Boston. Steve, how excited are you? Just, Nothing. Um, that was a long, a long moment there to gather. Can yourself. I tell you something that's really distracting me throughout this entire thing? Is my daughter? You know, you've heard me talk about cats, and my daughter brought home these stray cats, and uh-huh. now I have like four cats in my house, and they're, they've destroyed her room. We had to pull the carpet out of there the other day because it's disgusting, and they, I, I find them in my office, and I just start screaming like, "Get out! Get out! Get out! Everybody out!" <laughs> and um, I've got, you know, I have. It's just. This room is just full of memorabilia and crap. And I've got yeah. my bobbleheads all lined up on my windowsill. And they like to get up there and look out the window. And the spot where Jason Hayward is supposed to be uh-huh. is empty right now. Oh, Matt. No. And oh no, not Jason Hayward, Ronald Acuna Jr. Oh, he, he, the, the spot is empty. That means they've gotten up there and knocked the thing off the shelf. And now I don't know if it landed on the desk or on the ground. And I'm not going to know until we're done with this podcast. I can go over there and inspect, but it's really throwing me off. That's where I am with Ben Simmons. I'm I'm more concerned about my Ronald Acuna bobblehead than I am Ben Simmons playing. But it should be fun. Like I'm, of, of course, excited to tune in yeah. and watch his 13 minutes and three missed free throws and his failure to shoot. I, I'm I fascinated. I'm fascinated to see how they're going to use him and what he's going to look like. I actually am. I'm eager to see it. I, I, I mean, I want to see it. I'm going to tune in to watch it, but I'm much more concerned about Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, 
uh, and Chris Middleton. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right. We are going to now turn our attention, Steve, to some third-year breakout candidates. Uh, We've already seen Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton break out from the 2020 draft, and to a lesser extent, Tyrese Maxey, Desmond Baines, Sadiq Bey, Cole Anthony. Really impressive draft class, by the way. But today we want to look at some other potential third-year breakout guys from that class. And we can do this relatively quickly, but just kind of looking at the landscape for each of these guys and I want to get your thoughts on their fantasy outlook. So let's start with the number two overall pick from that draft. That would be James Wiseman. Missed the entire season with a meniscus tear this year. Only played 39 games as a rookie. So Steve will not have played by the time next season starts, assuming he's healthy in, I think, 18 months. For me personally, I am planning to take a redshirt year on James Wiseman in fantasy. I'm going to let someone else draft him and, and just see what happens. My interest level in Ronald Acuna's bobblehead compared to James Wiseman coming back and playing again is off the charts. I do not care about <laughs> wow. James Wiseman. I, I, James Wiseman just, uh, I, I just, I, I need to see it before I believe it. And I haven't seen it. And the way the Warriors play, I don't, I don't know even if he really works. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not, yeah. Not too excited about the future of James Wiseman, at least for this next year. Yeah. Okay, same page there. Devin Vassell uh, took over as a full-time starter on January 1st for the Spurs. From that point onward in 42 games, averaged 13.5 points, 4.6 rebounds, 2.3 times, 1.1 steals, 0.5 blocks, 2.23s. That 1.1 steals is even a little low for Vassell because over the last 28 games, he averaged 1.4 steals. So what are our expectations for this guy moving forward? I mean... You know, I think there's room for him to improve, but I don't know how high really the ceiling is for him in fantasy. I like him, man. I, I really like Devin Vessel. And the fact that that they got Derek White out of there really helps him. I think mm-hmm. we saw sparks of what Devin Vessel can do. I really think um, he's a breakout candidate for next year. I, I, I'm excited. And he, like you said, he got better – 
down the stretch of the season. Yeah. He improved. I, I guess I should be, I don't know. I'm some combo of excited about him, but just tempering my expectations a little bit because I don't think he's a guy who's going to like make a leap to like 18, 19 points per game or something like that. But I think he can be a really valuable fantasy guy, even if he just averages like 15 points with, you know, two plus threes and one and a half steals. So I would like him just for that. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that the middle rounds of your draft come around like six, seven. Mm -hmm. He's sitting there. I mean, I got no, yeah, no problem. No right, problem. Sweet 84, pick number 84, real sweet spot potentially for Vassell. By the way, Matt, but when I was talking about the guy that threw the, threw the ball off the, Oh, Ricky Davis, of course. Remember when Ricky did Uh, something shady? Yes. Now that I've, now that, wait, who, which, which astute viewer was was that? That was Albert Maraquin again. He may be our only viewer. He's the only one answering. He's not the only viewer, Steve. He's just, he's on it today. Um, Yes. I remember that Ricky Davis thing. Of course. I can, I can almost picture it. Like, I feel like it was like a layup from the the right side or something. Yeah. He was messing around trying to get a triple double. Uh, I can't say I'm above that. I might I might do it under the right circumstances. Uh, bad team, you know, for his career triple-double, I might go for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patrick Williams, the final five games of the regular season saw him average 17 points, five rebounds, 1.8 assists, 0.8 blocks, 1.63s, good percentages. That includes a 35-point game, Steve, at the end of the season. Granted, it was a game where a lot of guys were resting for both teams, but... I'm officially a little bit intrigued by the number four pick in 2020, who had a nice stat line in the game to win over the Bucks as well. 10 points, nine rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. What are your thoughts on old Patrick Williams? I can get on board with a little bit intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I we're, mean we're talking about it. a late round fantasy flyer probably next year. Yes. Yeah. I know no Tyrese Maxey, Jordan Poole breakouts coming from that dude. I mean, that, well, who's to say? I don't know. I think he's got a little I think he's got a little bit of ceiling. He he's he's like think, you see a guy who's got some ball handling skills, he can shoot, he he can in theory get some defensive stats. I don't know. I I think he could be I think he could be an absolute home run next year and I th- I think he's going to be really easy to get in drafts. He's got a little spunk, a little spark plug. <laughs> Well, Sparky, we got a little Sparky over there in the stands. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'll right. look at him late. That's we'll, about the best. We'll I work can do. on. We'll work on it. Isaiah Stewart was a guy who a lot of people were excited to draft this year. Finished up his year, averaging eight point three points, eight point seven rebounds, one point one blocks. He's about to turn twenty one. I mean, in a sense, it almost feels like we've rushed this guy a little bit, Steve. He's still only twenty years old. To me, it almost feels like, could we be looking at a potential post-hype breakout situation where the people who drafted him this year are going to be like, nah, forget it, I'm, I'm done. And then those of us who didn't get him in many or any leagues will uh, reap the benefits. You know, it's interesting because Jonas is so hard on this kid. Yeah. And he just destroys him yeah. every time we talk about him. To the point where like, he's convinced me that I don't, I want no part of beef stew in yeah. my life. Unless, it, unless it's Denny Moore. But you're right, man. He's he's just going to be 21 years old, and he's got a long way to go. Detroit is awful again. I'm not giving up on Beef Stew. I, I, like I think it. he's one of those guys like Tyrus Thomas where I'll just take him year after year after year regardless of whether or not it's a good idea. I'm just going to just gonna do it. I, 
I do kind of, I'm always going to be intrigued by, by beef stew. And there's plenty of time for him to turn this thing around. Yeah. Jonas is like, he'll be out of the league in two years. (laughs) (laughs) Final 31 games, nine points per game, 9.8 rebounds, 1.0 blocks. So, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, we're not giving up on him. Let's talk about his teammate, Killian Hayes. Final 11 games. Killian Hayes averaged 11.4 points, 4.1 rebounds, 3.9 assists, 1.9 steals, 0.7 blocks, and 0.93s for the former number seven overall pick. Steve, to me, this is another case where I've got to imagine he's going to be borderline free in fantasy drafts. And I mean, there is a valid fantasy skill set in there, even though he's been a disappointment to this point. I am going to predict that you are going to have Killian Hayes on every single one of your fantasy teams next year. It's possible. It's possible. You've always you're always drinking the Killian Hayes Kool-Aid. Yeah. You love you some Killian Hayes. Not a lie. And I too am a little intrigued by Killian Hayes, but he's more of a Straub guy. I think you're gonna have him everywhere. I mean, 1.9 steals, 0.7 blocks, 0.93s over his last 11 Ugh, games. It just screams Matt Stroud. <laughs> Emmanuel quickly had a pretty dynamic finish to his season. The last 20 games, 16.4 points, 5.6 rebounds, 5.3 assists, 1.0 steals, 2.23s. So in that process, Steve, he answered some of the questions I had about his fantasy skill set because I was worried he was only going to be a points and threes guy. But he showed that he, in the right circumstances, can be something more than that. It was kind of a perfect storm with a bunch of Knicks out. Uh, we also know that the Knicks apparently are ready to make a huge offer to Jalen Brunson, according to what you said earlier. So I don't know. I want to get your thoughts on Quickly. I think, in theory, I like him, but I have to see what happens with his Knicks roster. I love Quickly. Like, Quickly is my kind of guy because there's so many unknowns with him and... <laughs> Like you said, I have all these questions about whether he can do this in fantasy or not. And he, he answered some of those, but I was all in way before we had those answers. Just because you I, were, I just lock into a guy. I don't know what what's wrong with me, Matt, but it's just how, how I roll. But yeah, uh, I love quickly. I'm with you. I mean, if the Knicks were to somehow sign a Jalen Brunson, that would certainly hurt what quickly can do. But yeah. we need to see what they do with that roster. If it comes back as is, I, I love I love quickly, but I I'm really not gonna mess with any of the Knicks as long as Tom Tommy T is there. As long as Thibodeau's coaching the team, I'm probably not doing that. Anyeka Kongwu has had his moments during the playoffs and the regular season, but these playoffs so far, granted we're just a couple of games in, kind of feel like a, a big tap the brakes moment on a Kongwu taking over because Clint Capella's out, we know, with that knee injury. And in his absence, a Kongwu is not looking like a guy who can just jump in and be a plug and play starting center right now. I don't know. I don't know what's exactly going on with him, but he's looked a little overmatched against Miami. Obviously a lot can happen in, in an off season, but I think for now, Steve, we're trending more toward a scenario where, where Capella is the present and near future at center for Atlanta. And I think we have to tap the brakes on this. A Kong would take over um, unless, you know, granted things can change in an off season, but that's where I am right now. It's pretty, it's pretty sad that, Clint Capella is out and the Congo is not really stepping up. Like it's frustrating. I, and I know he's young. I know he, had, he doesn't have that much experience experience, no. but I, I thought he was going to step up and go off with, with no Clint Capella and the Hawks really need him to. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I think we, I, I think he's going to be one of those guys. Like after you have two centers under your belt and you need a third one, that's when you take a Congo. Jalen Smith. 
of the, currently of this moment of the Indiana Pacers. He, after being traded to the Pacers, averaged 13.4 points, 7.6 rebounds, 1.0 blocks, 1.43s. Uh, showed basically why he was the number 10 pick in the draft. Uh, interesting situation here, though, Steve, because he's actually an unrestricted free agent because the Suns didn't pick up his third-year option. So he might very well be playing for someone else. He also benefited from Miles Turner being out. I think he's on my radar in terms of the skill set, but another guy where we're kind of in limbo until we find out where he lands. Yeah, we got to find out where he goes. You know, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, all those Pacer bigs, <laughs> Goga, Batazzi, uh, all of them had their moments and served their purpose this year. And they're all, they all have fantasy friendly games mm-hmm. and they're all just huge question marks for next year. So yeah, we really need to see what happens. Like, I need to see those guys in training camp. Yeah. I don't have a sense of what the Pacers are planning. I mean, you got to think there's going to be some, some movement there to, to alleviate that log jam in the front court. Um, assuming they do keep, Jalen Smith. I mean, I have to think they like him, but I, I really haven't, I haven't seen what the reporting is out of there in terms of their plans with him. So we'll be following I that. Have, I have not either, man. I don't know if you can hear this obnoxious, like Lawrence Welk music coming from somewhere in my house. Um, I can't. I did not turn it on. There may be a ghost uh, in the next room because Possible. this is really weird. With the uh, amount- man, we got breaking, we got breaking news. Can I throw this out there? Uh, Please, Shams. Sham says that Robert Williams is close to a return and could play in game three on Saturday. Whoa. Whoa. Because I think last we knew, we were hearing that he was like more likely for game six or something like that, right? Yeah. He tore his meniscus on March 27th. A source tells Shams that he could play in game three Saturday or game four Monday. So sounds like one of those two games... Robert Williams is going to play. Wow. I mean, so again, you're up 2-0. You're the Celtics. You don't want to get greedy, but, man, give the guy an extra game. I, I'm man, really, and meanwhile, could, if it was Clint Capella, if it was, if it was Clint Capella, I'd be like, we got to get him out there. We got, we got, <laughs> we got, are you ready? Are you okay? We, we need you. We need you, Clint. <laughs> the Nets could have won both those games, man. Yeah. Other teams, I'm so patient. I'm like, nah, they can just hold out Luka. It's fine. Oh, yeah. Get him out there. Just yeah. Bring um, him. Last name on my list, Steve. Again, we're not talking about guys who have already broken out to some degree, uh, but Denny Avdia is the last name I want to talk about here in terms of potential third-year breakout candidates. His season stats were an upgrade on his rookie year, but really not by all that much and not that impressive. So I want to just highlight the last month or so, 16 games where he put up 12.6 points, 5.8 rebounds, 3.6 dimes, 1.63 pointers. So got to like what happened in all four of those categories. Then you say, oh, well, he also only averaged 0.6 steals and 0.4 blocks. So I've kind of landed here with Avdia where, I mean, it's progress, but those defensive stats in particular have me worried about his long-term fantasy upside. What are your thoughts? And by the way, I'll also throw in the Wizards roster. We don't know what it's going to look like. Um, Is there any guy we've talked about as much this year as Denny Avdia? And maybe Alperin Shingun. Like those Mm -hmm. two... Those two cats were um, bantered about in this yes. space a lot. No doubt. And, you know, I'm always intrigued. I'm always going to be intrigued by Avdia. Um, but yeah, I mean, we need to see. We need to see who's on that team uh, and what they look like. 
next year. I do feel like Avdia has the skills. He's shown us he has the skills. He he's got breakout potential for next year. I think he would be one of those guys you take in like the eighth round and hope that it happens. And he turns out to be like a fourth or fifth round guy. The Wizards roster is one that I just imagine is going to look pretty different heading into next season and could be quite a bit of turnover there. And as is, it's a a little bit of a confusing mess with everyone healthy. So I don't have, I don't have high hopes for Avdia as of this moment compared to some of these other guys we talked about, but I thought he was worth mentioning just because as you said, we'd love to mention him. Yeah. I mean, right. it just wouldn't be right to, it wouldn't be. to do it a wouldn't show be. and not talk about him. Steve, uh, that's it. That's the end of my list. Any uh, final thoughts for you relating to this or anything else? Um, I'm home alone, so I need to go find out where the Lawrence Welk oh, wow. music is coming from. And then I'm also going to check in on my Ronald Acuna bobblehead, um, which I'll tell you, Matt, in my head, it's it's in four pieces. This is. Floor. I know it is. This just legitimately got a little bit scary when you said I'm home alone and there's Lawrence Welk music playing in my house. It got a little spooky. So I was it kind of funny spooky. before. Now it's kind of serious and scary. Well, and the the um the music has stopped, so I, I don't really I don't know what is happening. And it was well, coming from a weird a weird place, like maybe out of the vents. I'm, I'm not sure, man. It's I'm very scared right now. Meanwhile, Raphael Johnson's lawn, lawn crew, I think, is rolling up on my house. There's some serious, <laughs> serious yard work being done in the near distant future, near distant proximity of my home. So that's going to do it, Steve. We got to get out of here before things uh, unravel any further. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We will be back on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of next week. Steve, I haven't told you this yet, but I think on Monday we should uh, go through the third round, fantasy third round. We're not no, going to go. Th- we're not going to go through every round, but I mean, some of these rounds. The third round deserves it, right? It That'll give it. me a chance to talk about a guy that yeah, I like to like talk to about a lot. A uh, guy I like wait. to call Luca. Want to say thanks to everyone for listening and for watching live with us, Steve. Thank you. Enjoy the weekend. I'll talk to you soon. Go Mavs. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.